It's Joe's Class on 88.9 The Bridge. It is Joe's Class on 88.9 The Bridge. Thank you very much, Carson Beck, the voice of 88.9 The Bridge, and also a big-time voice talent in Los Angeles, California. Now, if you listen to the CBS Evening News, you will hear Carson say, if you want to know more about the CBS Evening News, why don't you download our app? Those are the kind of alumni we have coming through this joint, folks. Joe's class, the only high school class where the lessons are taught live on the radio, coming to you live from the hallways of Mercer Island High School, Mercer Island, Washington. I am the teacher, but the real stars are the students, and I'm joined by three uh, three stars, and they're juniors, so that's great news to me because they're going to be around a little longer before they go out there into the world. Amuk the Jocelyn, Nicole Henderson, and Sophia LaSalle, welcome to Joe's class, and thanks for getting up and co-hosting with me this morning. Yes, so excited to be here. Well, I'm glad. And, Sophia, we're going to feature uh, one of the things that you do is STEM news you can use, and they're always great. And you've got one this morning um, that's really a big thing in the news. It involves technology. It involves science. But really it involves uh, you guys and and, uh, and uh, some things that are, might be considered dangerous, and that's social media. So we're going to talk a little about um, some legislation that might make it a little harder for young people to access social media and decide if that's a good or a bad thing. We'll uh, even hear uh, from the uh, the whistleblower, Francis Hogan, that uh, that uh, worked for Facebook. Uh, we've got some, some thoughts from her later this morning. We're also going to hear from Todd Humphrey. Todd is uh, one of the Kraken's top executives, the Seattle Kraken. We have a, a young correspondent, Kraken Max. He's our eighth grade Kraken expert. Kraken uh, Max is going to talk to Todd Humphrey, and we'll get uh, some thoughts on the Kraken from him. And your little brother, Sophia, yes. uh, Luke, has a great feature. I, I previewed it uh, or premiered it last week, the Aviation Station. Luke is going to tell us about a plane that could revolutionize the way we get places, like way, way faster than you could ever imagine. Uh, those are just a few of the things going on. We've got lots in the news. We've got lots of sports. We have our girls' basketball team on the verge of the playoffs. We know who's going to be in the Super Bowl now. And we also know who chances are is going to be in the stands that might make the Super Bowl a bigger draw than ever. Of course, that is Taylor Swift. Uh, lots to get to, so let's just start with the news and, and Nicole, I know you've prepared a newscast, so we'll we'll throw it over to you for the news, and then we'll we'll take it from there. All right, you're listening to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Nicole with your news headlines. A preliminary report is suggesting that the enemy drone strike that killed three U.S. troops on Sunday was able to pass over the base in Jordan because it was mistaken for a U.S. drone. The Pentagon has announced that this fatal mistake led to more than 40 wounded troops on top of the deaths of Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Special Kennedy Layden Sanders, and Special Brianna Alexandria Maffet. Last year's widespread tech layoffs at Meta, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft are being seen to roll into 2024. In the past 30 days, there have been over 25,000 layoffs in about 100 tech companies. Microsoft and Amazon are cutting jobs in gaming and streaming to plan for huge investments in AI, 
while others are firing the excess employees they hired at the start of COVID in 2020. Ex-U.S. Air Force pilot and modern-day ocean explorer, explorer Tony Romeo has published sonar images which he claims show the wreckage of Amelia Earhart's long-lost plane at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. There have been other claims of, of finding the plane and Earhart's remains on islands in the Pacific since she disappeared in, 90, in 1937, but Romeo's discoveries are separate from those earlier expeditions. This is Nicole Henderson reporting for KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Now back to the music conversation that spans generations. All right. We'll just stick with the conversation for now, especially that last one. The, that's fascinating. They're, you know, they're still looking uh, for Amelia Earhart's plane, which is uh, obviously a long time ago. And it's, it's amazing. And you were talking, Nicole, about there's some earlier, uh, some mysteries, some planes that just like, disappeared into thin air when i was your guy's age they used to write books about something called the bermuda triangle and there was apparently uh, off florida there was lots of just mysterious disappearances what are the what are the mysterious things of the 21st century what what kind of things do you guys sit around and ponder about as far as lost mysteries go um well i was thinking about related to more mysterious plane disappearances in 2014 there was a flight um a malaysian airlines flight that just disappeared from the radar um and nobody knows where it went nobody has been able to find any remains of it and so it kind of just disappeared in thin air and i personally watch a um (laughs) a show called manifest which is about a plane like that which disappears but it does come back five years later and the passengers think that nothing has happened but in reality five years have passed so my conspiracy is that this malaysian airlines flight will come back in a hundred years and nobody will have aged a day and and they'll have a hit tv series for yes. yes i mean it's been 10 years so maybe i don't know when the date of the malaysian airlines flight was but maybe sometime in 2024 it'll just oh pop yeah. back up this year have, have you, you guys seen lost that was a tv series I've, for a while i've seen a couple episodes i understand the concept i think it's a bunch of passengers on a plane the plane crashes onto a deserted island yeah and it turns out i don't want to spoil it and i've kind of even lost track of how it was but it turned out to be kind of one of those supernatural kind of uh time vortex uh sort of deals but it was that was that might be one of the last like tv series i did kind of make a point to keep track of and 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 watch and uh, there's going to be less of those as far as like mm-hmm. just dramas go, you know, yeah. at least on my my point of view. Um, well, it's it's fascinating. I've always been fascinated by what can't be explained. I'm a, I'm big on Bigfoot, uh, you know, uh, the pyramids. How the heck did they build those things? I'd love to go to the pyramids someday. Uh, crop circles, you name it. You have my attention when you start talking that sort of stuff. Is that still uh, you know in, in your guys world or, or, or crop circles and pyramids and sasquatch and things like that anything you sit around and ponder um i mean i think that they're very interesting topics i know that recently there's been a trend going around where people have just been thinking about the roman empire actually 
and just oh, right. <laughs> just because of how advanced it was in society compared to all the other places around it and its government and just the level of infrastructure they had with their aqueducts and stuff. And I think it's if we just look back in history to societies like that, it's so interesting to see how advanced they were and what they were able to come up with with what they had. So hashtag the Roman Empire is trending right now, you would say. I would say. Wow, that's cool. Well, that and, and probably a lot of it is because you guys have some some good history teachers and stuff and you you're learning about that stuff right here at Mercer Island High would be my guess. Yes. I think early civ. Early, early ninth civilizations. Grade, ninth grade mm-hmm. early civilizations definitely cover the Roman Empire in that. Well, it's amazing the Romans and and I'm a little uh, I'm a little rusty on my early civilizations, but the ancient Egyptians, the, the Chinese. I mean, there's there's been you know here in in America, in the USA, we're we're a pretty new bunch. I mean, there's not anything o- around here you know over 300 years old except things that the Native Americans had, and here in our the Northwest. There's really not anything over about a maybe 150, 200 years old max. And you go, and I haven't traveled everywhere, but you go even to Ireland and you see the Book of Kells and you see these things that are like, these people were doing high level stuff a thousand years ago, you know, and, and then you go to, you know, Egypt or, or some places in Africa and it's like, these people were doing high level stuff 3,000 years ago. Um, and, uh, it makes you, it makes you think and, and that where we look at wh- where, wh- how far have we come yet? We've got so far to go and you guys are, are, it's an exciting time. I think it's exciting time to, to, to be living, uh, in this world and so many innovations are, are coming our way. In fact, your brother, uh, uh, Sophia, the aviation station with Luke Lozell, this is his second episode, and he's talking about a plane that could fundamentally change everything. I mean, we're talking about Amelia Earhart, what a, what a, uh, you know, what a risk it was to even think about flying over a large body of water. This plane Luke's talking about, that's nothing. You guys want to hear the aviation yes. station? Yes. All right. Here's Luke Lloyd Cell, the aviation station. And give a listen to the plane that's being developed right now that could fundamentally change things big time. Oops, I'm not hearing much on there. Hold on. Oh, I got you. Hold on, Luke. Sorry. That's uh, operator error. One thing they haven't done is perfected uh, uh, how to make a radio board run itself. Let's try this again. Here's Luke Loisel. Hello, I'm Luke, and you're listening to the Aviation Station on 88.9 The Bridge. Have you ever heard of a supersonic airplane? If you have, you know they're allowed. This January, there have been important developments in this type of ultra-fast plane. NASA and Lockheed Martin introduced the X-59 Quiet supersonic aircraft. Using this one-of-a-kind experimental airplane, NASA aims to gather data that could change air travel, creating a new generation of commercial aircraft that can travel faster than the speed of sound. NASA's X-59 will help speed up the way we travel, bringing us closer together in much less time. Currently, the U.S. and other nations have prohibited supersonic flights because of the disturbance caused by loud, startling sonic booms on the communities below. The X-59 is expected to fly at 1.4 times the speed of sound, or 925 miles per hour. 
Its design, shaping, and technologies will allow the aircraft to achieve these speeds while creating a much quieter sonic boom. The plane has an unusual design to make the supersonic flight possible. The X-59's thin, tapered nose accounts for almost a third of its length and will break up the shock waves that would ordinarily result in a sonic boom. Also, the cockpit is located almost halfway down the aircraft and does not have a forward-facing window. Instead, it has a series of high-resolution cameras and a monitor in the cockpit. The engine is mounted on top to keep shockwaves from forming behind the aircraft and causing a sonic boom. To find out more about this aircraft, check out nasa.gov. I'm Luke, and you're listening to the Aviation Station on 88.9 The Bridge. All right. Nicely done, Luke. This is cool stuff. Definitely. What I really am surprised by is that the aircraft he was talking about, it doesn't have any windows. Can you believe that? I think uh, these days, after reading the news, the less windows in an airplane, the better. That's probably (laughs) not a bad thing. But at the same time, imagine you're going so fast and you're just completely reliant on the camera there's only cameras and screens so what happens if the cameras go down what happens if there's a technological error like you're so right sophia and i'm glad you brought that up because i've mentioned that what happens if the internet breaks and people used to make fun of me it's like what do you mean the internet can't break it's a bunch of different pieces that can't all break but as we become super reliant on technology uh, if it all just shut off, I mean, right now, if it all shut off, nobody would hear what we're doing, which might not be, you know, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest downfall, but we're getting so reliant on, on our, on our phones. Uh, I don't even carry really money. Somebody wanted a, a quarter to, to use, to like twist a little screw. It goes, oh, a quarter fits perfect. I don't even know the last time I had change in my pocket because everything we do now is really electronically generated and yeah when you're when you're on on autopilot on a plane and and don't have any windows or don't have a visual that does seem a little scary i didn't think about that part i would love to just be able i love going on planes but after a few hours like my legs are sore from sitting so long so i feel like if we could just, yeah, take down the flight time. It would make travel so much more enjoyable, I think. I think a lot of people's least favorite things about traveling is actually the airplane. So I think it would help for leisurely travel. If we could get a plane to go 900 miles an hour and the only the only downfall or whatever is, is the little bit of extra noise when it breaks the sound barrier, and according to Luke, it sounds like that's even getting handled, that seems like a small price to pay to, you know, to get to what New York is. That would get you there in two and a half hours top, something like that, instead of the, you know, five-ish hours that it takes right now. That seems like a winner to me. Yeah, like Nicole said, I'm big on international travel. So if this could become an international, like, revolution almost, it would be it would be really amazing for a bunch of different countries to be able to travel to each other in that time and especially with international flights because they're so long and so tedious and you get exhausted because there's so many connections if we sped up everything um it could even expand the market on international travel so many more people would be able to travel yes and i know you've traveled to, you've traveled to india for instance right I mean, yeah that's about as far as it gets because it's like the opposite side there's no 
there's no fast way to get to India. And I haven't been to India, but I've been to Bangladesh, which is right in the same aviation neighborhood. And I never thought I would say to myself when I got to Tokyo, it's like, ah, Tokyo, I'm almost home. I mean, because it <laughs> took you so long to get there, you know, and then the last little leg. So, yes, I think uh, that's one thing that would help connect our world tremendously if, if we could speed that up. Uh, you guys probably are a little young for Star Trek. You ever watch any Star Trek? You know, know. I've watched Star Wars, which is, it's a little different, but we there's still like a hyperspace, like super fast space travel concept. Yeah, Star Trek's my dad's favorite show. Yeah. But. Well, there were so many things, and Star Trek was made in the, in the 60s, and I was mostly watching it in the 70s as a kid, but there's so many things that they imagined in Star Trek that have come to pass. I mean... The, uh, the communicator, where you could just pull out something and talk into it and have somebody on the other end. I'm holding my communicator right now. I mean, that's there. Uh, this warp speed travel and stuff is coming along. The thing they had that made travel super cool uh, for Star Trek that we've still got a ways to go, but they had the transporter. You just stand on a platform and you suddenly disappear and then you flash to whatever planet it is you're visiting and you suddenly reappear just kind of standing there. They like they took your your antimatter or whatever, they basically dissolve you and then they flash you to somewhere and then they reassemble you and there you are. If that technology was there, uh, I wouldn't be the first person to try it. But after it was vetted a little bit, would you be okay hopping in a transporter, having somebody push you a bu- push a button, and then suddenly you're just wherever it is you need to be? You know, I think I might stick to the tedium of flights. I, that just sounds too suspicious for me. I I don't have any confidence in that imaginary technology. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's got a, it's got some working out to do. I'll give you that. It's 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 still a work in progress, I'm sure. And you don't get you know your your free uh, your free apple juice on, on the transporter. You don't have you know your headphones to sit there and watch a movie or something. So I could guess that would be. But but yeah, I think you're right, Sophia. I think if we stick to improving flight, uh, that's probably a good start. And uh, and it sounds like, uh, from what Luke's got there, that we are. And I think that is absolutely awesome. Well, we've got lots more uh, to go. We've got some sports with the MOOC. The, our, our basketball teams are heading to the playoffs. The Super Bowl uh, picks are in. It's Kansas City and San Francisco. There's lots of, lots of Super Bowl talk beyond the Super Bowl. And I'm wondering, you know, a lot of... People uh, are, are, you know, Taylor Swift is obviously the the, the topic uh, of conversation a lot on the Super Bowl. You guys are, I'm guessing, are of the age that you're you're probably Swifties or or at least fans of Taylor Swift. Would you fancy yourself to Swifties or or uh, what's your what's your level of Taylor Swift love in this room? Um, for me personally, I like some of her songs. I don't think I would consider myself a Swifty though. I don't know about Nicole and Sophia. I feel like Sophia is probably the biggest fan or Swifty of us all. Okay, so my perspective on Taylor Swift is I've had phases where I've really liked her music, but honestly, I've never been particularly interested in her life or like whatever the media is saying about her. Like, I'm just not really interested in that aspect of her as a public figure like I enjoy her music maybe I'll like check out what she's up to but honestly like her 
dates, her whatever, her I, I, that doesn't interest me as much. The love side of Taylor Swift doesn't interest you as much. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, and that's great. I think that's good because I think some of my generation is a little obsessed with Taylor Swift and some for the wrong reasons. There are, there are people that are saying this is all a conspiracy that the NFL and Taylor Swift are in cahoots and they're now they're even throwing the Democratic Party in there and Whoa. saying this is a, a major political conspiracy that at halftime uh, Taylor Swift is going to come out onto the 50 yard line with Travis Kelsey and endorse uh, the current president for the presidency and it's all just a big political shenanigan you guys aren't buying any of that (laughs) that would be very interesting if that happened yes i I would definitely like to watch that on tv from a purely dramatic standpoint (laughs) yes and it is adding drama and i don't doubt and i mean i don't think that the fix is in i don't think they were like paying lamar jackson to throw interceptions so kansas city could get to the super bowl but i have no doubt the nfl loves that taylor swift loves the nfl i mean you know what a what a great thing but I do think it's a little bit of a reach to say that, you know, there's any kind of uh, improper doings here. And I think it's just wonderful when people are happy, whether they happen to be some of the most famous people in the world or just uh, mom and dad around the corner. But I thought uh, we will take a couple song breaks and I'll play a song this morning for Kansas City Chiefs fans. And then I'll play a song this morning for San Francisco 49er fans because they have their own version of Taylor Swift. Uh Not quite the same, but a person who has sold many, many, many records and has millions of fans and is a huge San Francisco 49ers fan. We'll tell you about that in the next half hour, as well as a car where the manufacturer is saying, if you own this car, stop driving it now. There is a recall, and they're saying it's an older car. But uh, don't pull out, just don't pull out of your driveway till we come back and we'll tell you which car that is. And what the heck, here's a little Taylor Swift for you. KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, Joe's class, the only high school class where the lessons are taught live on the radio. It's 725 on uh, Tuesday, January 30th, little Taylor Swift, as we head into uh, the big Super Bowl hype. And, of course, she's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And, and if, if she not that she needs the money, but if she wants to uh, make a, a lot and, and really make a lot of people happy, I think she should remake that song with Travis Kelsey being the Romeo. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's an idea. You think that's a good idea? I mean, I think that I'm not sure if you've seen the music video recently, but that's a very iconic music video. I think so. That would definitely be interesting. Well, it's not like on instant replay at my house. I don't see it a lot, but I have seen it. And you're right; it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful video. I think it's shot in black and white mostly, and it's like a it's a it's a it's a love story, and that's the name of the song. And I think if she remade that with Travis, and maybe have Jason Kelsey somewhere in there, uh, you know, like they go upstairs and there's Jason laying in the bed with his shirt off, like he fell asleep at their house or something, it would all be big. And that, that probably doesn't make sense to you guys because you probably don't watch football. But Jason uh, got he he kind of stole the show at the Bills uh, Bills Chiefs game because. He decided it was time to take his shirt off, and he was up there in the cold of the of the freezing with no shirt on, cheering for his brother. It was it was very heartwarming. Got it. 
Okay, let's get to the real sports now. Enough of the pontification about the Super Bowl. We've got Amukta, and she will tell you what's really going on uh, here in the world. You're listening to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. It's Amukta with your sports headlines. Monday evening, the Mariners were able to finalize a trade with the Minnesota Twins and acquired all-star infielder Jorge Polanco in exchange for veteran right-hand pitchers Justin Topa and Anthony Desclafani, as well as minor league prospects Gabriel Gonzalez and Darren Bowen. In the NBA, the trade deadline is approaching, and Golden State is in a tense position right now. The Warriors will reportedly test the trade markets for Chris Paul, Andrew Wiggins, and even Clay Thompson. They are not open to trading Jonathan Kuminga. With the Hawks, coach Quinn Snyder wants the team to keep DeJunte Murray. More information is becoming available as the trade deadline nears. Finally, the Islanders are coming off senior night wins from both the boys' and girls' varsity teams. Mercer Island boys' basketball travels to play Bellevue tomorrow night at 8 p.m. and girls' basketball travels to play Juanita also tomorrow night at 7.15 p.m. This is Amukha reporting for KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Good luck to uh, Mercer Island Basketball. Uh, we've got a lot of players uh, on, on our radio staff here. Nick Matone, you hear all the time on the boys' team. And uh, Caitlin Monahan, she is a senior. Caitlin's been on uh, the radio here since, for all four years of high school. And she set a record Friday night that will probably stand for a long time. The all-time Mercer Island High uh, scoring record for points in a game. Caitlin knocked down 42 points Friday night, which even by NBA standards is is a huge night. So congratulations to her. And I'm super excited. Of course, you'll hear the, the games broadcast. Any home playoff games we have, uh, you'll hear them right here on 88.9 The Bridge. And, and hopefully, hopefully we can uh, extend the season for a little while, at least maybe till the Super Bowl. Will, do you guys ever go to the basketball games at all? You get to pop your heads in there? I did go to the Friday night, senior night, of course. Um, and that was a really exciting game, especially once Caitlin um, scored her or shot her um, 1,000th career point at the high school. There's just a lot of good energy um, at at many of the basketball games. So those are really fun, especially like with the animal band and everything. I agree. It's a, it was a hot time. And I mean, hot, it gets a little warm in that gym for the middle of January. Uh, that place was cooking in more ways than one. And, and it was a fun time. So highly recommend you check out Mercer Island basketball. And before we go any further, cause you may still be sitting in your driveway going, he told me not to drive my car. What car is it not to drive? You might not own this car, but Toyota has issued uh, an immediate warning to stop driving these older model vehicles immediately. They put out a recall, and if you have not gotten the work done, they say don't risk it. Toyota and General Motors are telling owners of 61,000 older Corolla Matrix, RAV4s, and the Pontiac Vibe model to stop driving them because the air airbag inflators are at risk of exploding and hurling shrapnel at you. Now, these cars are 2003, 2004, so if it hasn't happened yet, you know, I mean, I guess <laughs> you're lucky because uh, we're talking 20-year-old car, but they are saying... 
leave these in your driveway. The urgent warning that was issued yesterday uh, covers the 2003-2004 model year of the Corolla and Matrix hatchbacks. And then the RAV4s from 2004 and 2005. And then the Pontiac Vibe from 2003-2004. Um, and these are all basically the same car. They're just, uh, you know, a different uh, different brand on them. Uh, the Vibe was essentially a matrix, came from the same factory in California. So um, do not drive these cars and uh, get a hold of your, your local Toyota or Pontiac dealer to get the recall work done. Uh, this could be a big problem, and it has been a problem on millions of cars. Most of the, them have been identified and fixed, but I doubt anybody uh, listening right now. In fact, if you are, if you are, if you have a 2003, 4, or 5 uh, Matrix or RAV4, give us a call, 206-274-9105. I would love to hear from anybody that is is still driving the car they bought 20 years ago, uh, and that just shows you, other than this, like, airbag shattering and impaling you stuff, this is a pretty good car if they're still out there 20 years from now. So um, you guys have any, I know you're young, but you have any, like, car brands that you're really passionate about? You got a dream car, anything you'd like to own you someday? You know, Joe, just while we're on the topic, um, I actually do have a 20-year-old Toyota. Oh, really? <laughs> It's an Avalon, so it's not. I don't know if that counts on the list, but it has um, been around since before I was born for about twenty years. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't. That is like it is an old car, but it's still running like well. So they are the best, and Nicole. No, the Avalon is safe, and what a great <laughs> car! I think the Avalon was kind of the fancier version of the Camry. It was like the upgraded version of the Camry, and you just can't go wrong. I'm very loyal to uh, Toyotas and Hondas. This is a non-commercial station, but I tend to buy those brands. In fact, I the first new car I bought was a 1998 Honda Civic, and I really kicked myself that I don't still have that car because it's running still, and I know because it drives my, my, my house every once in a while. I made a mistake with that car by letting it go. It was even the car that I, I brought my, speaking about before you were born, my daughter, uh, I brought her home from the hospital in that car in 1999, and I, I made a mistake. Uh, I traded it, and, uh, and it didn't work out so well. What do you guys think I would have traded uh, my car for? And it wasn't money. Any guesses? So it's an is it a vehicle? Oh, yeah. It was a 1998. I didn't trade no, but, it for a vehicle. Okay. Oh. Um, let's think. What could you have traded a car for? Was it like, an? was it some kind of experience you traded it for? Or was it like another type of material good you traded it for? I would say it was both. And I don't want to sit here and, and we've got so much great I'm, stuff. Okay. I'm going to lock in one quick guess. Was okay. it some sort of like sports tickets or experience? Wasn't, like that? It wasn't sports tickets, but, but you guys are all close. And we've got so much great stuff to play. I don't want to take too much time. Do you want to take one crack before I? I was going to say the same thing as Sophia, like tickets to any sports event. Yeah. I traded it for a hundred pizzas. Uh, they, the, uh, the guy, a guy opened a pizza shop next to my house. Nice guy. And he needed a, a delivery car. And while I liked my car, it was the perfect little car to deliver pizzas. And I said, tell you what, I'll, uh, 
I'll, I'll trade you my car for a hundred pizzas. And he, he made this big check. We made a big deal out of it. He took a picture. It's me handing him the keys and, you know, Joe Bryant paid a Joe Bryant a hundred pizzas and it wouldn't have been such a bad deal except he went out of business 50 pizzas in on me. So it's like all of a sudden he, the shop is locked. The car is gone and uh, I only got 50 pizzas eaten before he went out of business. So I really traded my car for 50 pizzas. That's oh, too wow. bad. Yeah. And part of it was my fault for eating slow. I mean, I should have probably, you know, I could have picked up the pace, but I was giving those pizzas away to every charity auction around. It's like, you know, here's, here's five pizzas for the Newport high band at the time I was a Newport dad and uh, I was giving them away, but, but I still regret trading that car and in your 20 year old Toyota, Nicole, do you know how many miles you have on it? Um, I, do not ever how many it is don't worry you're going to be able to get lots more they are uh, amazing cars and uh you just can't say enough i have a toyota uh, tacoma pickup and it only has uh, twenty thousand miles on it and it's a 2010 and i bought that from my father who barely drove it and i suspect that's probably the last gasoline powered car i'll ever i'll ever buy i mean it's uh you know, in these days, the electric cars are taking over anyway. Uh, speaking of uh, electric cars or just technology in general, there's so much going on right now with the future. Uh, the Apple is coming out with uh, their goggles this week. We're talking about supersonic planes that are going to make travel so much easier. But not everything about technology is is all good, I guess. And one of the things that's really come under scrutiny is, is social media and your guys' access to it. And, Sophia, we're going to go ahead and play your STEM news you can use. Do you want to set it up a little bit, what we're going to hear here? Yes, totally. So in the past week or so, um, legislature in both New York and Florida have taken action to um, just acknowledge the threat of social media on youth, and Florida even is attempting to ban it. So and let's give this a listen. This is STEM News You Can Use. I'm your host, Sophia, and keep listening to stay updated with what's going on in the world of science and technology. Both New York and Florida are taking action to protect teens from the potential harms of social media. New York City has declared social media as a public health hazard due to its negative effects on youth mental health. New York Mayor Adams has stated that platforms such as TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook are fueling the mental health crisis by designing apps with addictive and dangerous features. The New York Health Commission has offered guidance to teens outlining how to build healthy social media habits. Ideas include implementing tech-free times and places, monitoring emotions while on social media, and sharing concerns related to social media and mental health with adults. Up to 95% of U.S. teens use some form of social media, yet U.S. Surgeon General Murthy issued an advisory that said there isn't enough evidence to determine whether social media is sufficiently safe for children since it's been linked to depression, harmful self-comparison, and addictive behaviors. With this information in mind, Florida's House of Representatives has passed a bill that would ban children under 16 from social media. 
Although it's unclear how the legislation would be enforced, the bill would require social media companies to prohibit minors under 16 years old from joining the platform and to leak the accounts of existing users. In the past, attempts to ban TikTok and add age verification in Montana and Arkansas have been blocked, so it's unclear whether Florida's bill can be legally implemented. I'm Sophia, and this is STEM News You Can Use. Wow. Yeah. What What do you think? My number one question for you guys coming off of this STEM news is, do you think social media is a problem? Like, does it, is it a problem that we need to be addressing with legal action? Or is it just a problem that people need to deal with for themselves? Well, concerning like mental health, I don't think I I can really speak on that. Um, It hasn't really affected my mental health in any way. But I know when it comes to studying or doing homework, it's extremely distracting um, to the point where I've gotten rid of like most of the social media apps on my phone um, just so I can focus better when I'm studying or doing homework so I don't get distracted. And I think that might be a problem for other people at Mercer Island and other high schoolers as well. So in that way, I think it's it's a little harmful. I was just talking about it this morning with Sophia, actually. I had the same problem of procrastinating my work because I would get home. I would say, oh, I'll just go on TikTok for 15 minutes, and then the 15 minutes turned into hours. So this is not an ad, um, but I did help myself so much by getting a social media blocker um, that uses from like 9.45 p.m. to 5 p.m. the next day. I can't go on any social media. It'll like physically like restrain me from using the apps. And so now I get like all my homework done before 5 and like that's really helped me. So I feel like if you're dedicated enough, you can definitely do implement some sort of strategy to like bring your screen time down. But I know that it's hard, like it's an addiction for a lot of people. So that could be like really hard. You two are brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're thinking this way because it is a problem and it is addicting. And the first part of, uh, you know, realizing you're addicted and powerless over something is to admit it. Now, in Amukta, you obviously you, you don't have a, an addiction issue or whatever, but they're designing this stuff to, to make it so you do. Oh, I'm only going to check. And then two hours later, you know, two hours of your life has gone by. And this isn't just for you guys. This is for adults. This is for everybody. And uh, uh, tomorrow uh, there are the uh, executives from Meta and um, and TikTok and some of these places are going to be going and uh, talking to the Senate because there there's regulations coming. You guys know who Francis Hogan is? No. Frances Hogan was a big executive at Facebook, and she's the one who started blowing the whistle on this a couple of years ago, saying, wait a minute, we are, you know, we're designing this stuff to get people hooked. We're, we're very consciously, we're deliberately ignoring the downside because our mission is to put out algorithms that will get you hooked. She was just on CNN with uh, Christian Amanpour. We are a CNN affiliate. So let's hear from Frances Hogan what she had to say. And we'll discuss this just a little bit more. Here she is. We are right on the cusp, I think, of seeing some pretty major action when it comes to the mental health and safety of children. Uh, As the Surgeon General said in his advisory just two weeks ago, and for context for people, the Surgeon General has only issued about 15, maybe less, advisories over the last Mm. 60 years. These are on things like seatbelts save lives, uh, smoking causes cancer, things that are kind of like duh issues today, but they were ambiguous before. 
And the thing that I think is going to be super interesting is the, is he described what's going on right now as a national experiment. Like we are experimenting on children. And when kids are spending on average three and a half hours a day on social media, we are running an experiment on them. And we don't know what the consequences of that experiment will be. Three and a half hours. Uh, I'm, you guys are excellent students and you're involved in all kinds of extracurriculars. So that may be a little high. What, what, what would you say is your your average use? I don't know. I think that with all of just everything is on technology these days. So for me, it's sometimes hard to even separate how much time I'm spending on less productive things versus more productive things because it's honestly unavoidable just to be spending hours on screens, whether positive or negative, just to simply get your homework done, which I think is just like an interesting. It all kind of messes. It all just mixes together. Yeah. And the whole just having to stare at a screen in general is is a little bit of a bummer. Google's gonna make that easier, by the way. I've mentioned this a couple times on February second, which is is that Friday? Um they're coming out with those Google goggles. And, or and, Apple, I believe. Or Apple. Apple. I'm sorry, yeah, Apple. I'm getting my technology cutting. That's a big uh, big faux pas because Apple's putting a lot of money behind this and you're gonna be able to do all kinds of things and you'll be on a screen and you don't even kind of know it because it's going to be just basically right in front of you. And it'll be everything from watching movies to doing your homework to playing video games. And uh, it looks super cool. And everything Apple does is generally super cool. How much would you pay to uh, uh, to have a super cool goggle thing that makes it so you can spend even more time uh, staring at screens than you have uh, already? I mean, for me personally, I feel like a goal is to try to spend less time on screens. So ideally, I don't really need to be spending even a small amount of money. I happen to know that the Apple thing is like thousands of dollars. So that definitely doesn't feel worth it for me because I feel like I need to be disconnecting, not connecting more. It's like 3500 bucks, yeah. And uh, and it'll be available. And, and I imagine it will be huge. And... uh all this stuff is just, it's going to revolutionize uh, the way things are going. And you guys will be leading the charge as far as your generation. And, uh, and you were saying, uh, was it Nicole? You were saying Elon Musk is, is he's going to cut, he's going to cut out the goggle part. He's just going to put a chip in your head. Or, or is that what he's got? Yeah, he's working on. I was mentioning that actually. Okay. Sophia. Elon Musk has a company called Neuralink and they're working to build brain chips that, you know, you put this computer chip in a person's brain and then a person is able to control some sort of computer or device with their brain, which is pretty crazy sounding. And they actually implanted their first chip this past weekend, which feels unreal to me, honestly. That is, that is, yeah, that is scary. I mean, especially in having Elon Musk in charge of it, but, but that is scary, scary stuff. But also... How convenient, especially for people who maybe have physical challenges as people age and stuff. And if you can't, you know, you can't uh, lift things and do things. If you could just think about lifting it and have it lifted for you, wouldn't that be so handy? Is this really for for simple tasks like lifting stuff or is it like just for your computer? I think that it's 
meant to like control a keyboard or a computer or something like that with and i think part of the intent is to help people who are like quadriplegic for example who just really don't have the function otherwise oh. to be able to control things man that that's so noble i mean uh, giving accessibility giving you know making it so we all have a, a level playing field uh would be very cool but you know that uh you know there's forces of evil that would like to get a hold of that thing too and, and have it do some things that maybe uh, wouldn't be so good you know one thing i i forgot to do i won't say forgot but we haven't gotten to yet and we're running out of time here i don't want to change the subject but uh when we were talking sports earlier we have a correspondent uh here at the station Kraken Max. Kraken Max uh, goes to IMS, which is the middle school here on Mercer Island, and he is the man when it comes to the Kraken. And Kraken Max actually was uh, visited in the studio last week by Todd Humphrey. Todd is uh, one of the top executives at the Kraken. Max sat down and had a great conversation with him, uh, about a 15-minute interview that, that you can hear online but here's a nice uh, here's a nice little piece uh, uh, of that interview. This is Kraken Max with Todd Humphrey, and this is the kind of stuff that you know. Forget the goggles, forget the chips in your head. Uh, how about just going and sitting and watching uh, a sport as old as time? Guys hitting a puck with a stick and you know chasing each other around on the ice. I think that's good entertainment. And here's Kraken Max. Attention, Cam Age listeners, it's now time to hear from our official sports correspondent, Kraken Max. Hello, it's Kraken Max on 889 The Bridge, and we have a very special interview. Todd Humphrey has put together both of his loves for business and hockey and serves as the SVP of digital innovation for our hometown team, the Seattle Kraken. Todd Humphrey talks about what it means to have an NHL franchise in his city. Well, I've lived in Seattle for 23 years, and for the first 20 years of my time here, there was no hockey team. And as you'll probably hear as I talk here, I'm Canadian. And so for a Canadian to live in a city without a hockey team was just, it was terrible. So when the Kraken, um, when it was starting to form, I, uh, I found my way into a situation where I really jumped at an opportunity to, jo- to join the team. And uh, it has just been the greatest joy bringing together, you know, a team and putting hockey into Seattle. It's been amazing. As we talked more, Todd explained to me his favorite memory as a college and professional hockey player during his life. I I would say that there was a time when I'll never forget it. It was my first year playing professional hockey and I looked up to this full arena and I remember I was going in for a face-off and I took a little circle around because I really wanted to take in that moment that I was finally playing professional hockey and that's probably my favorite moment. It wasn't some big goal and I had a few of those. It wasn't a big fight and I had a few of those. It was this moment of, wow, this is really, really cool. Mr. Humphrey explains to me about his proud dad moment with the Seattle Kraken organization so far. I think that first game was a big one for me, just looking around, because there's so many different elements of, you know, you mentioned the pregame show, you mentioned, you know, whether it's the logo, the branding, the colors, the uniform, all of what goes on in, into a game. So I think I sat there during our first game and just thought, this is amazing, like, all of what we had had built until that point was finally coming to pass 
And we had 17,150 people sitting there cheering like crazy for this team that they didn't even know. So my proud dad moment was the doors opening, people sitting in the, in the stands, and, you know, that first game taking place. I asked Todd about his experiences at the Winter Classic on New Year's Day earlier this year. It was the coolest day for me. I had my whole family was here, my mom, my stepdad, my brother, you know, my kids were here. It was this amazing moment of, again, a culmination of a lot of work. We planned that game for about a year. It was a little bit like planning a bat mitzvah or a wedding. You plan for a year and you have this amazing three or four hour party and then it's done. So I was involved in a lot. I, I run our technology. So there's a lot of technology that went into the game and making sure our coaches could see the replays on the bench. But this bench wasn't in a hockey arena. It was in the middle of a baseball field. Um, all the way down to all of our retail, which I oversee. So all of our the new merchandise, the new jerseys. We sold 7,500 jerseys. And we did that in about two weeks. We sold a lot of merchandise. So there was a lot of touch points that I had with the game. This is Kraken Max on 88.9 The Bridge, and let's go Kraken. Let's go Kraken Max. I love that kid, and what a what a great, uh, he's just passionate about his hockey. Have either any of you guys been to a Kraken game yet? I have. I think I've been to two, actually. Wow, you're two ahead of me. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I feel almost embarrassed as a Seattle sports fan, but I have yet to, to go to Climate Pledge to really? see a hockey game. Honestly, I mean, I would not consider myself a huge sports fan, but I think hockey's my favorite sport to watch, which might be controversial with the sports fans. Well, I, I like a lot of things about it. I like that you get two half times. I mean, you get two breaks, you know, to get up and stretch and go get yourself a hot dog or something. And I like that it's super fast moving. Uh, it is a little hard for me to understand, but Kraken Max has been giving me hockey lessons, so I'm getting the hang of it. And uh, I definitely, especially I'm a huge football fan. I like the Seahawks and been a season ticket holder for years. And now that that's over, kind of need something to fill that time between football and, and baseball, and I think it should be the Kraken. You know, I went to one Kraken game once, knowing nothing about hockey. I still don't know anything about hockey. But the two things that were, like, the most memorable to me were, again, how it was, like you said, it was so fast-paced where they don't stop to, like, sub in people. There's guys just, like, sitting on the edge of the wall and just, yeah. like, jumping in. And then also... I feel like the photographers are just have a sport of their own where they're trying to open the hole to like fit their camera in and take pictures of the ice. And then these like these hockey players, I don't know how heavy they are, but they seem a little dangerous if they're flying at you. They just start flying towards like the photographers and they have to like cl quickly close up the hole. Like it just seems so stressful. Oh, wow. So yeah. they, they literally put a hole in the wall so they can get an hour in the glass so yeah. they can get a nice clean shot. I, go ahead, Sophia. Oh, I was just going to sorry, I interrupted. No, you. go ahead. Um, but I was going to say that I have a it's honestly a little bit of an embarrassing story as a Seattle sports fan about the last cracking game I went to. But I was invited to the game by my friend Addie, whose family has tickets. But my friend Addie is actually, sorry to name drop, but I think she'd be <laughs> fine with it, actually. Um, she's, she's not a Kraken fan. She's a New Jersey Devil fan. So I went to the Kraken versus New Jersey's Devil fan, New Jersey Devils game, 
and she made me dress in New Jersey Devils merch. Oh. So we actually had really good seats, so we're super close to the ice, covered in New Jersey's Devils merch and the Kraken's mascot. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him. His Bowie. name is Bowie. Yeah, I know yeah. Bowie. So Bowie comes up to me, and I'm wearing like some little Devils antlers. So <laughs> Bowie comes up to me. I have a video of this, and he starts trying to pull the Devils antlers off my head wow. because... I'm not still running the Kraken oh, in would, the Seattle Kraken Stadium. I would love to see that. Now that's a good use of social media. You put that up there. That's a that's a that's a million hits waiting to happen. And Sophia, you, you shouldn't be so easily convinced to go to the dark side by your friends just because see, they're they're New Jersey Devils. They're called the Devils. I, I will say, I think if I was wearing Kraken merch, I would not have been harassed by Bowie. And it was pretty fun to be harassed by Bowie. So I think it was ultimately. A good decision on my part. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'm sure it's all in good spirit. The Kraken fans are, are real positive, positive people, and and you've got to, you know, that's what makes a sport is everybody gets to decide who they're going to cheer for. Earlier, we played a Taylor Swift song for Chiefs fans. We're going to end the show with a song for 49ers fans. They have their own Taylor Swift, while maybe not quite as. Uh, quite as young and spry and maybe doesn't command as quite as many legions of fans. This is a guy who has played uh, thousands of shows to millions of people. And his name is Bob Weir. Any of you guys know who Bob Weir is? No. He is the singer for the Grateful Dead. And when I was a young one, like your guys' age, that was my, one of my all-time favorite bands. And I saw a lot of shows. They're from San Francisco. And Bob goes to 49ers games, and he was down on the field for the championship game with uh, legends like Joe Montana, and uh, he's a big 49ers guy. I'm a little torn because I, I like the Chiefs. I, uh, Natalie loves the Chiefs, but the other teacher, and I'm, I kind of would like to root for them. But once again, I, I really like San Francisco. I like the people, but I'm not a 49ers fan because – there are rivals. There are it's our Seahawks rivals. Me, it's like you rooting for the Devils. Me rooting for the 49ers. Just there's something just doesn't sit right about that. So I'm a little conflicted on the on the Super Bowl this year. Before we play that though, I do want to mention something going on in the community tomorrow night. And I encourage you guys and parents and anybody who can come. It's the MI Healthy Youth Forum. This is going to be at the Mercer Island Community Event Center tomorrow night which is uh, January 31st, Wednesday, from 7 to 9 p.m. And we're going to be talking about you guys, the pressures that's facing today's youth. How do we support you with mental health? Uh, what kind of things are causing anxiety? Is it social media, stress, drugs and alcohol, all that? It's going to be a big community conversation. I'll be there. Natalie Woods will be there, our co-teacher. And uh, we'd love to see you guys there. If you want to know more or just register for the event, it is open to everybody. It's free. MIHealthyYouth.com is the place to go, and that's where you'll see me uh, tomorrow night. I think it should be a great conversation. Uh, you guys spread the word with your friends, uh, with your parents, and uh, tell them that's happening tomorrow night. And then finally, another thing happening this weekend is the drama department has Little Women opening, which is a classic play, classic uh, book by Louisa May Alcott. And they're going to have a two-weekend run uh, this weekend, February 1st through 3rd, and then February 8th through 10th right here in the Performing Arts Center at Mercer Island High. 
Uh, I know that's going to be awesome. I'm I'm a big drama guy. I, my my daughter was uh, into plays and stuff. You guys like like uh, going to plays and drama? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Little Women should be a good one. Okay, well, we've got to get to the real class. It's 7.58. I've got to take roll in less than two minutes. So thank you uh, for coming on, Amuktha, Nicole, Sophia. Uh, you guys have fun? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. You. And uh, you are listening to Joe's class. My name's Joe Bryant. I'm the teacher. The real stars are the students. Every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., you meet a few new students. We feature some of their great work. And uh, just hang out and have fun. Uh, it's a nice multi-generational conversation usually. I hope you enjoyed it. Stick around because we have another hour of live radio coming up with the students. And as promised, here's a little bit of The Grateful Dead on 88.9 The Bridge, KMIH, Mercer Island.